You're listening to podcastjuice.net. She believed in fairy tales and princes. He believed in jazz, rhythm and blues, and this thing called. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Prince Podcast here on Podcast Juice. My name is Michael Dean, and joining me today are, or is, <laughs> Big Sexy and Sack I'm exhausted. Just a little, you know, light jog around the block, and I'm not 23 anymore. <laughs> Say that. All right, of course, one of the uh, patriarchs, uh, OGs of the podcast, Mr. Day Dropping. How are you, sir? I'm doing okay. Just trying to stay cool. It's getting hot out here in Southern California. All right. Uh, damn, everybody is in California but me. What's that about that? <laughs> uh, next up is Mr. Ant Poo. How are you, sir? I am doing very good. It's not that hot up in L.A. All right, all right. And last but certainly not least, Mr. Sean Hill. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm ready to open my heart, open my mind, because a wonderful train is leaving all day. Yes, there really? is. Really? Boom, 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 boom. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> all kind of train. train. Okay. Not the, the Paisley train. There you go. <laughs> uh, so we are here today. We're going to talk about Around the World in the Day, the album. Um, as a lot of you long-time listeners know we've done a couple review shows on this we're not going to do a track for track review we're going to talk about some other aspects of the album you know give some other takes and feels uh, on this landmark album but before we get into that i I have to ask you guys real quickly uh did you guys were you aware that prince's uh facebook account was hacked Yes. Did anybody see it? No. He had a facebook wait yeah i thought it was done down Uh, yeah i thought it was gone that didn't well, somebody must have figured out the password because they just oh! logged yeah, in posted. and posted Qu- some wild question. stuff. Question, was, what's the password? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> to the south. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but they <laughs> was posting some crazy stuff up there, man. Uh, I, I, I don't think anyone could believe that was Prince. I mean, it was, I'm trying to remember some of the uh, things that were on there. Um, I know something about my protégés don't don't ever blow up or something like that. There was a shot at Funkenberry. Uh, they called it, it was the Hit and Run Pause Tour, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it was some wild stuff. I think Facebook That's good. has since this morning pulled it down, but it was going on for a little bit. Damn. Well, hey, Prince. That's why he hates the internet. <laughs> I know, right? It's just that easy. Yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. What's the uh, username? Because I'm trying to see if I can find it. Or is it already closed up again? It's probably closed. It was just Prince. It was a yeah. verified account. You know, one of those little th- check marks on it. That that had to have been an inside job because you have to have an email account associated with it. So how would they know an email associated with that account? Interesting. Maybe it was a disgruntled employee or something. <laughs> they were typing it, you know. <laughs> they were typing it in that sort of Prince speak and all that kind of stuff. Ah oh, man, well, yeah, because there was um, I, the one I saw because I was on the org and I saw this thing. It said Prince Facebook announcement: new music today. I was like, what? And then people started to realize, you know what, this shit is has been hacked. He's not saying this crazy stuff. Um, <laughs> so, that's kind of that funny. is funny though. Yeah. All right, so let's get into around the world in a day. And uh, this album was released way back in April 22nd, 1985. Damn. Long time. Yeah, that was was the golden era. That was, 
this is there's so many things that were different about that. Obviously, America was different, but just pop music, black music, whatever. It was so different back then. Obviously, there was the Titans. That was the that was the era of the Titans, right? You had Michael Jackson, of course, Prince, uh, Madonna, outrageous, uh, Lionel Richie, Bruce Springsteen. You know, MTV was the shit back then. Uh, the American Music Awards, the Grammy Awards, that stuff was major back then. Like, just a whole different game. Um, so, and this album obviously comes on the heels of the Purple Rain phenomenon uh, the year prior, right? Was just dominating the charts. And uh, what was Parade? I'm not Parade, but um, excuse me, Purple Rain. That was the number one album for like what? I want to say 50, like 40 weeks, something like that, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it was just, that's crazy when you think about that. Like, nothing like that ever happens anymore. Mm-mm. So it was a whole different time. And Prince was it, at the top. You know, he just had the Purple Rain tour, which was phenomenal, right? Just 50 month. weeks on the chart. 50 wow. weeks. You know, you would think that the state of music today, that it would become easier because there are not that many bankable uh, selling artists out there, but well, wow, that's not happening. I disagree because there's so many uh, venues. There's so many artists and so many venues to get music out, and it's really hard to uh, to get one artist to really just dominate right the marketplace like that. The, the average listeners become very fickle, and and I think for a, a album to even last a month on the top is a major achievement nowadays. Yeah. That's 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 uh, very interesting to think that you could barely last a month, even a mm-hmm. few weeks. And back then, Cats was damn near, you know, six months or something. And same same is true for movies as well, even blockbusters. Very true. Yeah, yeah. very true. Real quick on on Purple Rain, it was number one for twelve weeks on uh, Billboard, and the Black Chart, it was number one for nineteen weeks. Wow, a Black Chart, really. <laughs> Blame Billboard. Well, they, they changed that to the R and B chart now. Is that what they call it? Why would it take that long to be changed to the R and B chart? That's what I want to know. Uh, yeah. Fuck out. Nineteen eighty four. They still was calling it the Black Chart. Wow. Well, well you, you know, here comes my shot. You know, Q. He probably wants to call you know, the Black Chart now. Oh. <laughs> Shout out to Keys of Thorn. Yeah, I know I'm gonna catch one for that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, so you know, different time and Prince, being Prince, you know, decided to strike. You know, to say strike when the oven is hot. I mean, I think he stroked, he striked when it was beyond hot. It was like most people would just pull back a little bit, but he dropped that album so close to uh, Purple Rain. And I think one of the things I wanted to ask you guys about was the decision to one, release an album like Around the World in a Day, which is such a contrast to literally anything he had done before at that point, and to be so close to his biggest success uh, at that time he had ever had. One I wanted to ask you guys, do you think that it was wise to drop it that quickly? And with as before you answer that question, I want to throw this in here, because I, I forgot about this, and I think this would have been very interesting if this had happened. You know, one of Prince's original ideas to debut uh, this album was to perform Paisley Park on the American Music Awards. Uh, the award show that was uh, <clears throat> the one where he ended up doing Purple Rain on the show. And he won like three awards that night. 
this is of course the same night of you know the world was recorded and and some other things happened. So imagine if Prince had was able to perform Paisley Park on the show. And the reason why he didn't perform the, the song was because they didn't allow you to perform songs that weren't nominated. Uh, so, oh, so okay. oh huh. And so, and, and that was going to be the first single, uh, you know, based off of that performance. Now, of course, the other thing that happens, like I said, the wheel of the world thing, he didn't go, you know, Prince was caught up in this. It's funny. You, you, what I'm about to say happened to him is kind of shit that happens to these artists now. But of course there wasn't TMZ and there wasn't social media back then. So we didn't really hear it too heavy though. It did dominate him. And I'm talking about the situation where, you know, a uh, big chick uh, put a whooping on somebody, right? He was arrested, uh, and even Wally Stanford was arrested for robbery. Shit. <laughs> that night, and of course, that was all in the media. You know, it was in the media. Like Prince was involved in something, and he sicked his bodyguards on people, or whatever. And you know, he made a song about it. But so you have all of that happening, and things that what if would have happened? So Prince wasn't necessarily the darling boy at that time. You remember back, there was a lot of backlash against him uh, during this. But I want to go to uh, Big Sexy first in terms of do you think that dropping an album like this at that particular time, was it too early or was it right on time? You know, I think it was too early simply because when the Purple Rain tour came to San Francisco, when I saw it, he played six nights at the Cow Palace. And on one of the nights that I was there, because I was there for two, two of the nights, he played America. And as one of the encores, and people are like, what is this? And after a few minutes of them not knowing what it was, everybody got into it. And I still think the tour, just based on the numbers, from what I saw, still had some legs in it. And I think they probably could have pulled maybe another single off the album. But you know how Prince is. He wants to get it out, and he wants to get it out now. You know, He's not trying to hear the label say, look, man, why don't you take take five? Because when you release an album like that, you know, and again, back at that time, you had your Thriller, you had your Born in the USA, you had your uh, Like a Virgin. Those were all monster albums, all four of them. And none of them really, you know, took 11 months to come back with something else. They all just let it really digest and continue to, to percolate. I think he came back too soon. Um, I also think that when he came back, he was so determined not to repeat that sound from 1999 and Purple Rain, he went a whole other direction, which he should have let this one, he should have let Purple Rain play a little longer before he came out with the, with the new stuff, especially with a new style and a new theme. All right. Uh, day dropping, what do you think? Um, well, there, there's two ways to see it. And one way, um, uh, you know, it was mentioned already in that it was too soon from a marketability standpoint, from the money standpoint, it, it, you're oversaturating things and you're going from something really big to something really, huh? Like that. So on that level, it wasn't a good idea from the artistic level. I think it was an excellent thing because he was able to successfully on an artistic level, uh, do something very different. And uh, it just was able to, to really spread his wings and, and show the listener, not the casual, but the listener, uh, how talented he is. So I think, you know, on two levels, one, the money, not so good uh, from the, you know, uh, bringing it out and competing against Purple not very good. But from a artistic standpoint, excellent. Yeah, let me read a quote from uh, Dr. Fink, I believe it is. He says, uh, I felt it was a mistake timing wise to put something out so soon 
after Purple Rain. Um, again, well, I don't know if he was talking marketing or money-wise, as you said, or artistically. Um, but I think that is a valid question because um, I think about this album. It is so different from the stuff before. And it's a drawing line for a lot of fans. So some people really, really got into Prince at this point from Purple Rain. And some people really got into him because he had the balls to put an album out like this too, right? Uh, Sean Hill, what do you think? Um, it's interesting because um, Purple Rain came out July 25th and then this one comes out April 85. That's, as we've said, that's not a lot of time. I do want to kind of piggyback on something Big Sexy said, but uh, kind of go in the opposite direction. He said that Prince, you know, came back. Prince never left. The, uh, the Purple Rain tour had only been done like two weeks before the album came out. I think the, t- the last day of the tour was April 7th. And the album came out, what, on the 22nd. So that's what, what, 15 days? <laughs> I mean, so, I, it, but, but that was Prince at the time. He was not, he was going to do what he wanted to do. That that album was going to come out when he wanted it to come out. Um, I don't think that they would have been able to squeeze another single out of Purple Rain, though. I mean, there were five singles released uh, with, you know, nine songs on the album, and we know uh, Darla Nikki wasn't going to be a single, so <laughs> <laughs> the only ones that were left were uh, Computer Blue, The Beautiful Ones, uh, and Baby I'm a Star. You know, so I, you know, I think it was that was something that's unheard of though, in in that time frame, because all the big guys that Mike mentioned, Madonna, Mike, Bruce, you know, it'd be three, four, five years uh, between albums and this guy's putting out something. The other album ain't even done percolated yet. And he's on to the next thing. So I, I, I think it was pretty much business as usual. And that would be the model for what the next probably 10 years or so, one album a year. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's funny. He had the attention span that the, what we say the kids have today, right? Like almost didn't give it enough time to breathe. I think rock has a great giving you time to get the last one straight. And I think an album, and we're going to go into the songs, but, and I'm going to say my personally, what I thought about the album at the time. I, as much as I love the album, I did want to hear a little bit more of the, um, I was so enamored with the Minneapolis sort of style of Prince music. And particularly, you know, I remember watching uh, Purple Rain live a lot. Uh, you know the videotape that he had put out, VHS tape. You know, what is a VHS? But I remember <laughs> watching that a lot in the breakdowns and the songs and the long jams. <clears throat> I was like, God, this is the. I love this. This is Prince, you know. And I remember when the album Around the World came out, the first song, he throws a little bit of that into the end of that song. That, I mean, that was that kind of Prince stuff. Like, I knew it's oh, okay, here it is. But it was so short. And I was like, oh, okay. Maybe some of these other songs are going to go into that range. And, of course, he doesn't. And I had to, I had to sort of change my expectations. But I could see, even from myself, as much as I appreciate and I And I really became to appreciate the album when the 12 inches dropped. I think that was when I was like, okay, now I'm, I'm digging. But I was still searching for that sound and this is sort of the time when you know i remember me and tobias we started going to buy the controversy album which we never really listened to and and dirty mind album at that time because those albums had that sound and i wasn't very familiar with those albums at that time uh and then of course 
oh man we knew about the time and everything but what's this over here the time album this shit look kind of janky cover but man just go buy the cassette <laughs> shit might be dope <laughs> and of course the heads are blown apart like look oh, damn this is damn. the shit right here so it was interesting that these out al- this album sort of forced me to go to the back catalog at that time because it was like this it had the sound i was looking for so as much as i dig this i felt a little like yeah, this is you're resisting take- yeah it was gonna take me a little bit to get into it because it wasn't yeah. what brought me into it right what brought me into it was a different sound and here right. he is flipping it and doing so this what, other stuff. What does he always say? Forget what you know, what you, but what you're willing to learn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aunt Pooh. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question. When did you first hear the Around the World in Day album? Ooh, uh, 2002 <laughs> fully. I'm sorry, 2000 what? 2002. Okay. What did Full you think? album from start That's to finish. Cool. And what did you Young think pass. about <laughs> uh, now, now remember, I'm I'm a child of the '80s, so that was that was the videos, that was the radio. That's how I disseminated my music. So if it wasn't on the radio or it wasn't a video, I really didn't find it, you know, right, except right. for when it came for hip hop. So when I finally, whatever, <laughs> haters gonna hate anyway. Uh, so when you know the the influx of the MP3s and and which I'm actually I'm glad that I discovered it this way because having a more uh, nuanced uh, ear to the music and being able to be more mature and understanding okay I I hear what they say and I can appreciate that because I had the Graffiti Bridge album but for some reason I skipped through Joy and Repetition and Question of You so come on mm. but when I mm. listen. When I went back and I was hearing about, you know, everything that was going on as far as um, he dropped this album uh, with no promotion, just out of nowhere, and it didn't give a lead track. And uh, it was just that soon after Purple Rain, I'm thinking to myself, like, what? That's crazy. Because I didn't remember that. All I know was that all of a sudden, Raspberry Beret was on the radio and there was a video. Mm-hmm. And then when I when I first put, I decided to listen to it in sequential order and Around the World in the Day came on, I was like, what the hell was he on? But okay. And but I listened to it and I was like, okay, I'm seeing, uh, okay, I guess he's inspired by like like everybody said by the Beatles, by the '60s, that whole psychedelic of uh, era, the whole acid trip. And I'm like, okay, I- I'm getting it. And this is amazing because it's really only the first two songs that that are I feel have that that type of uh, musical flow to it. But overall, I think it, it is a great album. Now. Uh, I'm sorry to, to backtrack just a tad bit because uh, Sean mentioned that those five singles, I still find it kind of odd that uh, five singles for Purple Rain, I find it odd that they didn't go with the ballad, the beautiful ones, but that's for another thing. Uh, but for me, I see the brilliance in him. Okay, we put out Purple Rain in 84. We went on this long tour. We got uh, American Music Awards where I killed it with Purple Rain. We got our <laughs> Grammys and I killed it with Baby I'm a Star. I got my Oscar and now I finished my tour. Here's a new album. I thought it was. I thought it was bold. I mean, he is at the peak of his popularity, as everybody uh, can state. That was his peak. So why not drop this new album when everybody's clamoring for more? Unfortunately, it was a it was a miscalculation in the sense of the reception of people wanted more of Purple Rain <laughs> as opposed to more of Prince. Hmm. Okay. You know. <sighs> Uh, so the album comes out. You're right. They don't initially. There's not a first single, right? And I remember 
this was that album that uh, I mean we knew it was coming out because I remember there was this whole big pre-order thing uh, I don't know if they had that in you guys' particular record store but it was like oh pre-order the new Prince album it's going to be dropping blah 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 and I remember going and doing that and uh, this is also I think one of the first CDs I had ever seen if I'm not mistaken like the first time I saw a CD I had no idea what it was but I remember seeing the case it was a long the longboard ones, right? And, yeah, and I, I miss like, those. Yeah, I was yeah, like, so what, do I. what is that? And I didn't have, of course, I didn't have the CD, and they were restrictively expensive at the time for me. Um, so, of course, I bought the vinyl. Um, and I think it helped that the packaging of it was so different. I mean, in terms of the artwork, um, they had the lyrics. It was the gatefold. You opened it up. Didn't It, it had the flap thing on the back, right? And you, I don't know if you guys remember yes. that. And yes. You yes. flapped yeah. it open, and it op- the whole thing opened out. And uh, I had the pastel colors in the in the middle part, and it had the lyrics going down. Uh, the sleeve had the paisley thing. I mean, the uh, center of the vinyl had the paisley thing. And each song, you know, sort of carried over that design from uh, Purple Rain, where each song had its own font style, mm-hmm. which I thought was brilliant at the time. I was just like, wow, this is so uh, creative. And then, of course, the cover, you know, the artwork for the cover was so... Uh, to me, was mind blowing at the time. I know personally, I was uh, very much into graffiti <laughs> back then. You know, uh, doing pieces and stuff, and I was so influenced by the picture. I started getting into uh, oil painting and acrylics, and I would paint my interpretations <laughs> of that cover. But I, you know, I would add sort of hip hop. Uh, Keith Haring. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Keith Haring, the great Keith Haring. Uh, I would incorporate his styles into that uh, type of stuff. So I was just really into the the visuals of of the cover. And then again, once those singles start coming out, right, we start getting these 12 inches, which I think are the start of the crazy 12 inches, you know, the B-sides. And I know Ernie's going to speak on uh, (laughs) uh, Well, that was... Always in my hair was that a, that was a B side for um, which song yeah. was that for? Uh, she's always Beret. 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 Yeah, let's let's go into that and we'll start going into songs. But the B side start coming out. So Raspberry Beret, the video. Uh, he comes looks in. like Liza Minnelli. Liza Minnelli. <laughs> Let, let's say, let's talk about. That's the first time remember, I heard that. One. Remember when that video came out? Like that, I I was like. I was so happy to see Prince on TV because he hadn't really seen him on nothing for a while. But I was shocked. Like, what in the hell? Oh, great. <laughs> can, I, can I say something about that video? Yeah. Can I, the, the, the most amazing thing about that video, uh, if you watch it closely, he's, he's making kind of a statement about stardom and being a star, being in videos. If you watch the video, he never, ever looks into the camera. Not uh, yeah, one I time. That. I noticed that. Not not one moment does he ever do looks that. off, or above it, yeah. or right below it. Right, you know. I, hmm. I thought that that was even bold at that at that time because that was, you know, that was his thing always. You mm-hmm. know, playing to the camera, and for him not to do that, that was a bold thing. Wow. I remember That's too cool. on, MT, on MTV. Um, I want to I want to say it was Kurt Loder and uh, was the guy with the curly hair. I can't remember his. Um, Oh, uh, shit. Like anyway, that. it'll come to us. Um, they were like, they broke down a video. They were like sl- doing the slow motion and looking at all the animation. And <laughs> I'm serious, all of that. And, MTV you know, okay, at its peak. Yeah, this means mm-hmm. this. And 
oh, this is probably a reference to Purple Rain because, you know, they had the, the chick that looks like Apollonio mm-hmm. when he says, I got a bike. Uh, I just remember to that, that video, just just the shock. Like I said, you know, the, the, his look, where's his hair? You yeah. know, <laughs> everybody yeah. was like, yeah. you know, where's his hair? And then that cloud uh, <laughs> suit, which I believe is still is hanging up in, in Paisley Park, if memory serves. Um, but yeah, that was, you know, we got to see the little extended part, him coughing, who, who coughs on a record, you know, who does that? Um, you know, I, I think that that's probably one of his most popular videos too, just because of the whole playfulness and, you know, it comes out, the girl gives his guitar, does the cough and all that. So what I remember is that Asian girl in that same blue cloud suit, just tearing it up on the yeah, floor. In the front. Oh yeah. And, and wasn't. See, I remember back then you would see the same dancers sometimes prominently featured in yeah, these videos. Yeah. It wasn't one of the dancers. I, she was like in something else. I just can't remember. But one of the I people remember, in there was very prominent in other videos. I remember Probably. a girl who handed him the guitar went on to be uh, Woody Boyd's girlfriend on Cheers for a few years. Ah, interesting. Interesting. Huh. Yeah, I mean, and then the, the look of the revolution. Was they're all all of their styles were totally different. Like it was to me, it was just such a shock. I was like, "Damn, look at!" And my man had the beard. Who, Bobby? Bobby, Bobby. Like, Damn, yeah, what the, that, that was, was cool. It's like that. That's when I, I I had a thing for Wendy. Wendy was killing in that outfit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, really like that? Okay. Yeah, well, now, uh, no, I'm dropping the gun. So no, but see that that whole look was intentional, and come, him coming out on the video that way mm-hmm. was very very intentional because the original uh, configuration of that video was going to be all cartoon, the entire thing beginning to end, and uh, you only see the bits that that he kept from the cartoon that are interspersed within that video. Mm-hmm. So he the decision was made later on. Oh, I, we want to come out in the video too, and let's do that back and forth. So I, I would love to see what the entire cartoon version would look like. Just out of curiosity, because I think it would probably dwell more on Purple Rain and its look, because mm-hmm. the cartoon does dwell that way. So I would guess that that's, he was probably like, you know what, this 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 card this video is too Purple Rain. We we gotta we gotta infuse us now into this, and I think that's what probably wound up happening. You know, I just know I just saw that this thing the video won uh, a video music award for best choreography. I I, I didn't know that. Huh. Interesting. I also sometimes wonder too. You know, the look that they all had in this video was this I, I, to me, because I, I, I can only judge it by myself and my cousin, who was a heavy Prince fan at the time. She gave me the impression that she was so turned off by this. And I wonder what other people just like this looks too crazy and you never saw this look again. And, and to me, like they all seem to have, you know, this very distinct style. Brown Mark, we had the blowout perm with the cape. Hang on, I mean they were on some superhero serial <laughs> like a white Zorro. <laughs> but they never came back. I mean Prince never wore his hair like that again. He never wore that suit again. None of them seemed Thank to God. ever wear any of that stuff again. I wonder did they feel like it didn't work or something? Or uh, that's always what I always kind of wondered because you never and you never saw the the revolution again until the you know they're already the on. Well, I mean, I mean, in sense for this album. Oh, but yeah. I, I think too, Mike, that I mean, by the time think about it, by the time this video came out, he was probably already on to parade at, at this point, and that look, you know, and over, you know, hanging out in Paris and all of that. So that's probably why the look never really took off. Or I mean, we because he, he was, you know, as soon as he came, he was gone because this was the only uh, 
video that he's in, with the exception of uh, America, which came out much, much later. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, too, if I'm not mistaken, he had already started working on Parade before this album came out, right? I think Probably, those, I mean, those yeah. first three songs he recorded. On to the next. <laughs> so, so we had the look. Um, what do you guys remember about sort of the climate, though, of Prince back then? Obviously, it was very big in Purple Rain, but you had hip hop and things. Other things was really starting to come into the game back then. You know, Sheila E was another big thing at the time, right? Um, I was looking at. I was going to read a passage. There's a, this book. I haven't even read this whole book, but Prince Inside the Music and the Masks. There's a whole part about uh, the shooting of Crush Groove. And I didn't know this, but apparently uh, people weren't really feeling Sheila E. to be in that movie. They they thought she didn't deserve to be in the movie. It was about hip hop. Why is she in this? This shit is watered down. Uh, there's a passage where Prince actually comes to the set uh, when she's doing Holly Rock. And I guess the director literally had to uh, cut the shooting during Holly Rock because the, you know, the, the uh, actor's audience that they had almost re- re- they weren't feeling the song at all. So then no one clapped for her. And the guy's like, listen, you have to clap like you may not like this song, but you have to. I mean, we're, this is a movie. You guys going to have to just fake it. And, it's, and it, to me, it sort of speaks to sort of Prince's idea of what rap would be or his interpretation of what he thinks a rap type of song would be, as opposed to what the people who are really into it, you know, they don't buy it like that. Ah. <laughs> it's kind of watered down or whatever this is. This ain't us. Uh, and to me, a, a lot of that to me sometimes plays into sort of, like I said, I remember purple. I mean, I, even purple rain run DMC was really big to me and my initial resistance to listen to purple rains because I wanted to hear King of rock. Uh, and so I remember even as he starts to, go into around the world in the day you know you still got hip-hop is still sort of fighting for my attention and again prince sort of represents not the most masculine type of guy you know image wise not speaking on the music and the music is so again the music starts to go out there in a great way but it's uh so different than what he was known for so i'm just curious what do you guys think in terms of Let's go into some of the songs. So we talked about Around the World in the Day. Paisley Park. Um, do you think that would have been a great first single? No. I think the single he chose was actually perfect for for this album. This was before he started getting making bad choices for singles. Um, I know, you know, Paisley Park was released as a single overseas, which I, I think was probably good, you know, well received over, over there. But here, I don't think that that, that song would have been a big hit had it been had it been a single period, let alone the first the first single. I, I think he got the singles though out of order, in, in my humble opinion. I think he should have went with um, America after Raspberry Beret rather than Pop Life. So it should have been Raspberry Beret, America, then Pop Life. <laughs> uh, I think. Go ahead. I was just gonna say too. I think by the time uh, America came out. I think the the general public was was over the album uh, because Pop Life didn't didn't do that well, and so you know this was back when singles you know I think Ant said it you know it was the radio radio was kind of pushing it so um, Pop Pop Life just just didn't hit so people were like eh okay on to the next 
was there a video for Pop Life? I've heard no, of no video. No video. I didn't think so. And there was only a video for uh, for America, which was a live clip, which was incendiary, but too little, too late. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, and there was I, there, there was a video for Paisley Park, but he's not in it. And then it's in. We didn't really see it over here. It was uh, overseas. Mm-hmm. I think, man, Pop Life. I think Paisley. I mean, uh, Raspberry Beret was perfect. But I would have personally, I would have backed it up with Pop Life. But I would have had him do a video for it. Uh, I think Pop Life is one of his great songs. Like it's so easy to get into it. Uh, I was listening to it again for the upteenth time this morning. I would say this though: <laughs> I don't think it's mixed properly. Like I was sitting here listening to it, and I'm like, this motherfucker is popping the shit out of this bass in this song, and you can hear him, you know, popping it, but you can't feel it. And to me, I was like, this is a bass song. This song, uh, it reminds me of, it's like, uh, I'm your girlfriend, sort of, it plays, it's that same type of, bro, don't, don't. But you, it's not really, uh, there's no bottom in it. It's just all high end. I'm like, that doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. I was like, why, why wouldn't that be the bottom of the song? Because it, to me, yep. is such the part of, the song is based on it. The, the, the piano plays it. You know, it's the whole I, song. Yeah. I think that problem is fixed, though, Mike. In the uh, in the remix on the the twelve inch, I think you can hear the bass a little bit better. Uh, as a matter of fact, I don't have the I, I don't even play the album version anymore. That 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 doesn't exist to me. I, I only play the the twelve inch, and I think the bass is a little bit more pronounced than that. Yeah, it might be, but yeah, I just I, I was like, man, that's such a it's a missed opportunity. Again, it is like. Well, I don't know if Susan Rogers is, is being the mixer at this time or whatever, but it's almost as if he's making, even though some of these songs sort of have very pop type stuff and people say Beatles and stuff, I still think at his core, he's still making Prince type music, but I don't think it is being presented that way. And I said, what I mean by that is, again, like a song like Pop Life, which I think would have been a smash had it <clears throat> even been on controversy where those songs are sort of you can hear the you can feel the bass and you can hear some of the stuff I just think it, it seems almost like watered down mixing on this album uh, even like the song Paisley Park I don't really agree with how that's mixed either like it's just too <clears throat> high too tinny or something there's no bottom in any of the drums it's just the snare <laughs> but you, you hear that song live I've heard it live once and I was like damn okay this shit is banging, but the the album doesn't give you that impression. Even uh, America, there's a lot going on in that song. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> and oh, there's another yeah. thing. I'm, I I just listened to this today. I've never caught this before. But on the album version, I think at like three twenty, you can hear the mix change. I assume they cut the part, you know, but you can hear it. It goes from very high tinny to it just goes. It goes. It gets muted. And like you can't hear the, the tambourines anymore, hardly, and some of the percussions. Just, I right, like, that's kind of weird. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Now you mentioned something about mixing because when I was listening to the album yesterday, I noticed something that I don't think that I've noticed before. Uh, before I get to that, I will mention too that this album is historic for one reason that we haven't gotten into yet. Does anybody want to take a guess at what that reason is? I, I, I got nothing. <laughs> it is the first appearance. Album wise of horns, mm-hmm. with the ladder. Oh, that's yeah. right, with the ladder. 
Yeah. Now I know the single that I would die for you single was the first, but this is I'm talking about album. Right. But I was listening to it to, uh, yesterday, and I just noticed Eddie's horn is so buried into the mix, and it's almost like it adds and it adds nothing to the song. It, it's almost like I mean he's just kind of playing the medley. It's not it's not a horn based song, and again it's not doing anything to make the song better. The horn is just there. And I'd kind of forgotten that the horn was there. And I was like, well, where's the horn? Oh, there it is, because it's just so, so, so buried. So I'm wondering, again, if that was just a, a mixing problem or, 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 or what. And it's just kind of funny that from, you know, Parade on, horns become such a you know, important part of his music. But here is, you know, given kind of short strife. Interesting. Also, um, the first song is... Well, the first song that we can say we know of that Prince didn't write that song, right? Like he took somebody else's song and said, hey, I want to use this. Uh, was that uh, was it Jonathan Melville or? No, his dad wrote the letter, him and his dad. No, I'm talking about the music. Uh, For the latter? No, no, no. Uh, around the oh, World around the Day. World oh, Around the World of no, no, Jonathan uh, Melville was... said that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he had, I was reading he had made that song. I think Prince had given him some studio time or something like that. Uh, somehow he had the song, and he had been sh- uh, sharing this song with his, within his family, and you know, eventually Lisa got it, and then she let Prince hear it, and he was like, ah. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Like you mean David Coleman had it? Maybe. I'm sorry. I, I may have the names mixed up. Yeah. But uh, And then Prince heard it and was like, hey, uh, that's something I may want to do. And then, he kissed it. Eventually, yeah, eventually brought them into the studio. They, they re-recorded it, right, with him, with the guys. But that's kind of the first time we heard of a of a song that Prince officially got from somebody else uh, and, and based the album off of that. I thought it was very interesting. Um, let's get into songs, our favorite songs off the album. So the songs that we would listen, songs that we would skip. We're going to go to Aunt Poop. Yes, sir. Now, for me, the best song on the album, and it's kind of hard because I love the two other songs, but I'm going to have to give it to Pop Life. Uh, the instrumentation, the lyrics is very topical, and it's kind of and it's poetic. So I got to give it to Pop Life. The must listen, damn, that's hard as well, but Temptation. Easily, temptation. I love. Yes, I love the the guitar. It's it's the second. It's the only the second rocker song on the album. The lyrics are there. It's sultry. I think it has a, a whole lot going on in that song. And the the most skippable track, easily tambourine. Wow. It shouldn't even <sighs> make the album. Tambourine on this album and not she's always in my hair. Come on. Come on, son. See, I got Come shit on, on for ripping tambourine a few weeks ago. No, you got shit on for the ladder. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> the ladder. I got your back. When, it, when we get to me, I got your back. Uh, but as far as uh, the other other notable songs uh, that I love, of course, is The Ladder and sometimes uh, Condition of the Heart. Sometimes. All right. Uh, Big Sexy. You know, I like... I like America because, and what did it for me was seeing the performance in Paris, mm-hmm. you know, and when I saw the, the long version of the performance in Paris, I'm like, that's it. That's it. That's hands down. That's the killer on the album. 
Um, I also, and again, I guess I get mine from a, a live presentation standpoint, because when he opened up the parade tour, he opened it up with Around the World in a Day. And they did that as the curtain still was up. And, yeah, and I, liked how they, I liked how they did that in concert as well. Um, as far as the skippable one, I got to go with my man, Ann Pooh, because tambourine is some bullshit. Wow. Crazy. I'm sorry, and I'm still sir. saying the latter bullshit too. <laughs> look, look here, look here. You you saw what happened when the prince when the prince.org fam came at you. Do you want that heat again, <laughs> sir? <laughs> let, let it go. Let it go. Ah. All right, uh, day drop. All right. So songs that for me that I, I'm gonna start with the songs that I would I would pass. There's first of all, let me say this. I like all the songs on this album, but some songs. I have to be in the mood to, to listen to. And those are the ones that I have to be in the mood for. Those are the ones I'm likely to pass on. So that's these. For me, condition of the heart. Um, I, have to be fe- I have to be feeling it. Otherwise, I, I, it, it takes too much to get into. Um, two minutes. Uh, yeah, to get in, just to get into that one. Uh, the latter is another one that, that I have to pass on. Because, what? again, I have, I have to be into it. To get, I just, you know what, I, I don't Cosign. care much. I don't care much for gospel sounding songs. That's not my thing. So I can't get into that. I, I can see where I can see where <laughs> where somebody who, who likes gospel music could get into that. But I, I can't. So I have to really be in the mood for that. As far as songs that and, here, and, and I'll throw another monkey wrench in it. I will listen to Tambourine. I will listen to Tambourine. I will listen to Paisley Park. Raspberry Beret. America all the time and pop life all the time. Temptation, maybe. But it depends. If, if I'm in a rocking mood, not that it's a skipper, but if I'm in a rocking mood, I'll listen to Temptation. But so definitely was- um, Raspberry Beret, Tambourine, and America. I'll throw pop life in there off the 12-inch. Uh, so what's the best song for you? Best song for me? Pop life because of the 12-inch. Bingo. Uh, side, side note, I just fight, figured out what the quote-unquote sampling of the latter was in Tupac's I Get Around. It wasn't a sample. It was an inter- interpolation. He goes, uh, and everybody's looking for the latter. I had no idea that that, uh, I've been listening to I Get Around for, what, 20 years now? I had no <laughs> idea that, that, that he stole that verse. All right. Huh. Uh, I'll get mine real quick. Best song in the album for me, Purple Rain. Uh, not Purple Rain, Pop Life. Wrong <laughs> 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 out, sir. <laughs> Pop Life all the way. I, I, I remember when I first got the album and I heard that, I, I used to play it over and over. I was like, I was so mad because it was one, it had that crowd noise in the middle, which I think was ridiculous. And it's, just, and it's short. You know, I just was like, this is right. stupid. That's why I never listened to the album version. I, always, I, I made my own mix of the 12 inch up to two. 12 inches that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one part on, I, I forget which version it is, where um, it just, it's just a guitar and the bass and dun, 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 yeah. on there. And yeah. then, uh, but I, I, I replaced that with the part from the other version of it where you have Wendy and Lisa going the, 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 uh, the Frere Jacques part. La, 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 that part. I, re- I replaced that part with it because it just sounded like something was needed there. So that's my version of it. And that's what I listened to on it off of a little mix that I did on it. Mm-hmm. But I-, I can't listen to the album version, mostly because I, I never understood. To this day, I still don't get the point behind that breakdown with the bar scene or the fight thing. I have no idea what that's about. I don't see how that fits in. 
Yeah. It's just it him being a you know funny kind of dummy. <laughs> yeah, it's another cough. It's another cough in yep. the song, but I don't get that coming. <laughs> yeah. And that song is great, too. Uh, you know, we never said it. Sheila E., man. I mean, she she did her thing on them, the drums. And the, oh, did she? Yeah, that's her playing. Oh. That was like one of the songs they did, for one of the early songs they did together. Um, well, that's there's some new appreciation for and that, that song. And the 12-inch is a remix by Sheila E. That's actually her doing that La 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 part. Because you, oh, you realize it? that's not in the actual song. Yeah. She put that yeah. in there. Oh, well, okay. See, I got full appre- higher appreciation for that now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, all right, so the best song. Uh, my must place would be the same. Uh, Pop Life, I think that's just a great song. My skippable track, and I'm like Ernie, I do like all the songs on this album. Uh, if I had to skip a song, uh, uh, Temptation, not that I don't like the song. <laughs> Not that, not that I don't like it, but I don't normally listen to it. Uh, to me, Temptation is, again, after being watching Purple Rain live to Syracuse so much, that is just that little, that one part in there where he does that, who's God, and that's what Temptation is to me. Like It, it just sounds like he made a song out of that whole thing. Yeah, he did. Yeah, right, so that's why I don't really listen to it, just kind of like, eh. But it's still yeah, a good song. I'm not I, I get you, Mike, because it's at the end of the album when I'm listening to it sometimes, like, you know, I'm already at the end. So I just stop it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when that song. Um, the other song I would say that I like, but I don't like the recording of it, is uh, The Ladder. I actually think The Ladder is a good song, but I don't like the sound of it on the record. To me, it, it sounds too much like Purple Rain. Uh, particularly when it came out, it sounded too much like Purple Rain. I don't like the sound of the drums and stuff. So, But I think it's a good song. I, there's that footage of him doing it at that rehearsal from you know that one little thing he put out years ago yeah mm. 80, uh, love yep. sex yeah like i was like damn that is a good song uh that really made me like it so those are that that's my feel about it um sean hill do we do yeah yeah no that's me okay so i'm, I'm kind of like ernie i i've made my own configuration of this of this album i don't have the album version of Raspberry Berry. Of course, had the long version. The America got the 20-minute 20, 20 version of that, and then Pop Life. Now, as far as the best song, oh, I better step back from the mic before I say this, but for me, it's Tambourine. Yes. Tam- I love tambourine. Uh, tambourine. I'm cool with that. Prince, okay, that. Prince on the drums is mm-hmm. just... Mm-hmm. Ugh, nasty. Love it. Just, yeah. and it's just, and it's, I mean, it's the only, to me, it's the only Prince sounding song on on the album to me you know what also it, it's like an early preview of that first madhouse yeah um with him playing the drums it reminds me of that song with the, the with the telephone thing yeah another highlight for me but in a heavily heavily edited version back in the day when i used to you know make my own cassettes uh temptation runs about half the length of what it does on the album. Cause I did the fade out at work in my body. Work. <laughs> I start fading it out. That's, that's where my album ended. <laughs> work in yeah. My body. Cause after that, the song just falls apart. It's just all that crazy stuff. And then the same thing with condition of the heart. I took out that whole openings section. Wow. I was, I, when I was listening to the album yesterday, I'm like, what's the point of this? I, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. Um, no, there's reason for it, I think. And when we did the review before, I, what I think, the way I see the beginning of that, um, it, it, it that's an instrumental of a relationship. Mm. And if you listen to it, it, it starts off really nice, real vibrant, happy and everything. Then it gets tumultuous. 
because that's the breakup and that's a fight that happens here. And it's basically a, a rundown from a relationship being beautiful going bad. And that's yeah. if you listen to it and th- think of it in that way, you'll hear it. You're probably right, but I'll still never listen to it. <laughs> right. But, I'm, but I, yeah, but I'm, I was going to say, but a lot of times I wish I could just do an edit where it's not there also. Yeah, for the same reason. I've done that. Uh, but the most skippable for me, and I even skipped it yesterday, Paisley Park. I, I I just cannot get through that. And again, well, and also I'm listening to the 12 inch uh, version also. So that that may play a part of it. Maybe the album version is a little bit more digestible, being four minutes. But the 12 inch version gets a little long and tedious towards the end. I like the guitar and stuff in there, but again, after a while, I'm like, okay, I'm over this. But it's funny. I can never get tired of uh, the 20 20 minute America. That's <laughs> oh, that's, that's you go. You can go to work with that song. <laughs> <laughs> now, the one thing I wish this this album had, and I and I know Mike's going to agree with me on this, "Around the World in a Day." The the ending. I wish this this album version ended like the tour version, with that bass that's on the tour on the parade yeah. tour. Yeah. Man. I wish there was a way I could splice this, <laughs> splice that that on there. I'm wondering if that's something that you know is even even exists. I'm sure we probably would have heard it by now. But I mean, I I, I like the song, but every time it's going away, it's fading out. I'm 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 playing that sound in my head. <laughs> I'm playing Brown Mark on the bass uh, at the parade tour. It's funny now that I've you know, it's been released. You know, sort of the original version of the song. That's my preferred. Uh, version of it at this point the kind of dancey one the more more poppy one because there's like three uh the it's the one that's where he's he it's it's longer and he keeps kind of going on oh is it sing it for your man yeah yeah i love that okay you can hear more of the acoustic guitars and different stuff that's Mm -hmm. that's my version i agree i would love for that one to somehow be released with like pristine or close to pristine condition because that that would take the spot i agree with that I know uh, Big Sexy mentioned too. One of the, my favorite things about Around the World in a Day um, is, of course, in the live version, whatever city you know he's in, you know Paris. I think I want to dance, and that you know that song just explodes at that point. And, and that's the one thing that's missing from from the album version. I, again, I know it's a, a live version, so you need that that extra punch. But I just think that the album version is lacking that. But all right, one other thing I wanted to bring up in terms of what was going on at that time. I want we're going to go into the America here. But before the America thing video came out, you know, it was another thing that sort of happened. Again, if it would have happened today, it would have been all over, you know, the blogs and stuff. But this was when uh, Big Chick, you know, when he, he came out and tried to blast Princeton uh, National Enquirer. Um, you know, the headline was, the story was, the real prince, he's trapped in a bizarre secret world of terror. <laughs> and he was talking about Prince was doing all kind of crazy stuff and he was like a hermit and all this kind of wildness. And, you know, Prince sort of had to answer that, right? He, this is when he did his uh, interview with Rolling Stone. Remember the, the classic uh, Rolling Stone interview? Like the first time, was it, did it say Prince Speaks on the cover? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And they had the screenshot from Ra- uh, Raspberry Beret. Man, I, whew, I don't know how I knew that that was out. But again, I guess at that time, Rolling Stone was such a huge mag. So how could you not? I remember going to buy that and reading it three or four times back and forth. And all Mm -hmm. all of the stuff they talked about in that interview had my head in a tizzy. I was like, God damn, he got all these new songs and he's working. What's going on? I was blown away. But, 
So he sort of tries to answer back some of that. And then he doubles downs and does a TV interview, right? Uh, filmed on the set of Under the Cherry Moon. And this was on MTV. I remember when it, they debuted it. And at the end of that, they debuted the video for America. Uh, uh, Ernie, I know you watched this when it came out. What did, what did you think about all that? About the America video? Well, about the interview. Anything particular you remember about the interview as well? Oh, just the fact that he was talking. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, he was the mystique was so high at that point um, that they just to, to know that, the, that he was going to be interviewed, that, that he was actually speaking about everything. Well, not everything, but anything uh, that or just even a couple of things that was that blew my mind. Um, one of the things that I always dug about him because I was so introverted that um, to to associate with an artist singer who was equally introverted on purpose, I always connected with that. So when I saw that he was talking, I thought, "Oh wow, I got to hear this, I got to see this," and then to see the video afterwards, man, that's red hot fire. That you can't you can't top that. I, I I'd be hard pressed to try to find a performance that would top that. Um, because that had a little bit of everything in it. Uh, I, I was just blown away, and I thought it was—I thought it was classic. In one word, it was classic. Yeah, I, I just remember again. Uh, for me, I had the last time I had seen Prince was the Raspberry Beret video, and then here he is on this, and he looked totally different. I, you know, at the time I didn't realize it. Of course, he's in Christopher Tracy mode, but not knowing what the hell was going on, and then you're talking about making some movie or something. I was just like blown away. I was like, what? You know, I was just trying to understand what was going on. And he was surrounded by all those people, I guess the extras or something. And then remember Jerome came out and I was mm -hmm. like, damn, Jerome is with Prince. Like, you know, <laughs> what, what, is, what are they talking about? And, and he was, he was in his yeah, heavy man. Prince speak at the time, you know, he was kind of sort of mumbling his way through it. But I remember like it would be certain times he would jump into like, well, you know what they, you know what I mean? Like he would get animated for a second. I just thought, oh, this guy, is, this is really cool. And then, yeah, the video, man, uh, it was like it started off and he was like, okay, what's going on here? It's kind of low key. And they just seemed to explode. You remember like there was the part where they finished the song and he, he's throwing the 12 inches out in the crowd. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the shit just goes bananas. And I, I was just like, man, this, this dude, man. Him on the drums is yes. is, right. is worth the the quote unquote price of admission. Just seeing that, yes. Yep. Somebody got somebody kidnapped or something. <laughs> <laughs> baby, baby kids. Charles, Charles Ramsey uh, comes knocking on somebody's wow. door. <laughs> now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike and and Big Sexy. This was this was the interview too that uh, Andre talked about, right? Um, yes. Yes. Because he throws a little shade about come get this hit or something like that. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I, I, it's been a long time since I've seen that interview. And I thought that's that was the the one. Does anyone have the full footage of that that interview? I could probably. I know I do somewhere, but it's on VHS. Yeah. VHS. What's rare. that? <laughs> you know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was I have all rare. of my my uh, archives from back. I mean, I have the the live under the cherry moon party. I mean, live as it happened, not you know recorded later. I'm surprised the tape hadn't degraded at this point, but <laughs> oh wow! Well, yeah, that was uh, that was sort of the end of that album, that performance, you know, that we saw. Right? It was, 
That was yeah, the I last would, thing released, and that was the last video. And I would love for one day that, that entire performance to make its way out. I mean, the, the whole thing, though, because I think he did a, it was a, a set a of five of or six songs. Yes. Yeah. 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 And we have yet to see all of them. You know, they had to have been recorded. Why would just that one song get recorded? But, oh, you know, just like the uh, Detroit birthday show where <laughs> some somewhere in Japan, that that full show is sitting collecting dust. Mm hmm. <laughs> Said, I'll, I'll go through the archives to find it. <laughs> <laughs> um. What else? Uh, oh, I wanted to kind of backtrack a little bit. But I'm sure I always thought it was interesting the way that Prince presented the album to Warner Brothers. Um, you know, uh, we've read that it was some sort of listening party where they had everybody sit on the floor. And Prince had, uh, I think he had invited Joni Mitchell was there. His dad. Did he was make there. them pancakes? <laughs> Not at that time. <laughs> but I think him and Lisa... He just walked in and didn't say, I guess, didn't say anything per se and just had flowers in their hand or something. And, you know, everyone's kind of sitting with their legs crossed. Okay. And they were, you know, blasting this stuff. And it, it, it would seem as even some of the executives there were just kind of bewildered by what they were listening to because they were like, wow, this is so uh, different. Another quote I had here is actually from Eric Leeds. Um, and I guess he was there too. He said, uh, he says, Prince, he told me he could see the faces of the Warner Brothers people that it wasn't really working. And, but again, you got to commend Prince to say, you know what? I don't give a fuck about that. <laughs> I'm going to put it they, out. They were doing anyway. that, uh, they were doing that Billy Sparks, uh, <laughs> head shake from Darla Mickey. I'm sure they were. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what, one thing I wanted to, to ask, baby, uh, do you guys think that this album could have supported a tour? Like just this album alone? At the time, I think, I mean, his popularity, I think it w could have. I don't know, because, I mean, it was it was Sean who pointed out to us that on the Purple Rain tour, he did every song from Purple Rain, whereas on this one, I mean, a couple could could be featured in a set, but to carry a tour, I don't know. See, I, yeah, I don't think it could have, mm -hmm. personally. I, I think it could, but I think he would incorporate his other hits in the show too. I think oh, yeah. he, he would, yeah. he would play a, a lot of purple rain and, you know, controversy and all these other songs too. I mean, I think he could have a show uh, and play the majority of these songs. But that, that's not an album. That's not a tour supporting the album though. I mean, would a tour supporting the album succeed? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think the album's um, strong enough to be able to done, be done live and, and give it justice because of the type of songs that are on it. To me, that would say, I don't think it's any worse or weird than a, like a Love Sexy, which I wouldn't see him necessarily performing all of those songs either. But again, he can incorporate so many other hits into the show and make it into something. Um, uh, I don't know. I think they could work. Again, hearing the songs live that I have heard, to me, blows them out. Like they sound so different from the album. Like America was a, is a beast live. Uh, I was going to say my favorite live performance is actually Paisley Park. Uh, it was from one of the sh one shows I got from you, Big Sexy. It, it was a uh, First Avenue show. Yeah, and, and, the, pa the, uh, the warm up. And they do Paisley yeah. Park. Yep, that is my favorite performance of that song. I, that, that they just play it real long. That is filthy to me. Like I, I don't know why it's not like that on the record. Well, I don't know why, but so I think it can do a lot of these songs. I think, given enough time that he would work on them, I think the I think the performances we hear on the record haven't been fine-tuned as much as what they would be later and i think he just did these songs really quick and put the shit out but 
I think given time, these songs would have been headbusters. Pop Life would monster performed properly. We've heard Around the World in the Day live. You know, he started the other concert with it. I think a lot of these songs would actually work. I mean, I mean, essentially the parade tour was the Around the World in a Day tour. I mean, you know, for lack of a better term. I just think, I don't think that he could have done a Purple Rain type tour with this album being the headliner. It was kind of... Mm -hmm. I, I think combining those two albums together, I think, was probably the right thing to do. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, I think, too, and kind of want to get our last sort of thoughts on the record. I personally, if I was in control of Prince <laughs> releases at that point, I would have probably said, you know what? Don't put this record out. Put out a couple songs to keep your thing out there. But don't oh, put, don't put this out. Let let this be the internal um, sort of work behind the scenes and, and that is going to elevate you to the next level. Because I think this is a trans uh, transformative uh, type of album, and I think what he's doing leads us into where he's going to go. But I personally would have said, you know what? As many albums that he does not put out, I would have said, don't put this one out either. Uh, the next one is going to be ridiculous. And you could take some of the bits, pieces out of this one and make it the illest one. I personally would have said, you know what? You know that Roadhouse tape we got sitting back there? <laughs> <laughs> you might want to take some of them joints <laughs> and some but, of these you know, joints, but that's just Well, at, yeah, this I, point, I, I, uh, at, at this point, Hot Waters was not in a position to say no. And I, right. all he had to do was say, you told me not to release with Doves Cry. That's all he would have to say. And then they would go, okay, yeah, go ahead and put the album out. You are you were right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah I think but the thing is, he, he's got so much though, great material sitting there too, right? I mean, right. I, I was trying to look through some of these books that we have, and they don't really mention Roadhouse Garden, but obviously we can hear now that, shit, they was working on some other shit and got lost somewhere. Some, some know, of the stuff he could have put out on I, this record. I agree because Roadhouse Garden and the other one, um, Our Destiny, come on, man. Those had hit written all over them, and he should have just put them out. Yeah, what's the song, Wonderful Ass? That that would have yep. been a smash. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, yeah. I mean, well, and, and thing- even the even the songs that are out there uh, should have been included. That could have that could have augmented this album even more so. Because you got, She's Always In My Hair, and you got Hello and Girl. You throw those three tracks into this album? Then you got a tourable album, I think. And even more so, another song that he recorded around the same time that would have easily made this a, 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 a great album, Erotic City. If he had saved that for this album, as opposed to a B-side, I think it would have. I mean, he likes to have a funky track on his album, and there was the funk right there. Yeah, I, I See, that's why I said, you take a song like Erotic City, that's why I said, I would have just said, you know what, don't put the album out, just put certified bangers as just, just do a 12 inch it's gonna live longer than throwing that whole album out that people are not gonna really be getting into so just put a banger out use this as you're working to get better because you're gonna hit them over the head with the next album you know why not make it more potent but that's you know again here nor there but uh i just think this album is a brilliant album right? but i do think it came out a little too here's the thing for me, he came out too quick, and I don't think that he promoted as well as he should have. 
I can, I, I can understand I what, 100%. His, his stance of wanting to just throw it out there and see what happens. I can get that. I can understand that too. But I think that you got to give people some, you got to give people some time <laughs> to really ingest what you're doing because this is so dramatically different than what they know you for. So I think if you have to but, double down and, a little bit to to show them, because if he hadn't put out a video for a Raspberry Beret, wouldn't it did nothing? You mean you mean like a marketing plan with a strategy? What's that? Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, you gotta have a presence, right? Which sort of from this point, he stops sort of having presence on his albums going forward, which I think is a mistake. Sort of relying on the mystique and relying on you just listening to the record, which I can respect, but again. I don't think his artwork is appreciated enough because there's not enough attention put on it uh, that I think it needs to have. You know, those songs need to have videos so people can really take the time to listen because they're not going to go through the record. Especially back then, too. Yeah. I'm going to play just Little Devil's Advocate. Uh, now, for us, we, we lived Purple Rain for a year. He lived Purple Rain for two years. So, you know, I, I think... Maybe, you know, well, obviously he was tired of that material and, and, and you know, then doing the tour and that, you know, doing all those songs again. I, I think he was ready to move on and just say, hey, this is done. I want to I want to move this now. I've been doing this stuff for two years. You know, you got to you got to figure two performing the songs in the movie and, you know, the different camera angles, the different setups, how many times he had to do it. Uh, you know, I'm sure he was probably worn out from that material and just anxious to get something else out there. Now, why he didn't then, you know, promote it a little bit more, you know, that is a, probably another discussion. But, uh, you know, I kind of understand why he was ready to, to move on from, from that material. But, but I say move on, but you don't have to put it out. That's why my, my point is like that should be internal movements where a guy is practicing and gets better in his craft. You don't need to release everything you do, especially if we can't get enough time to appreciate it properly. So I would say, you know what, some of this you should hold back. And just put out the strongest situation. So you don't have to get tired of it because you didn't release it. So because he was already moving so fast anyway. Like, but by the time this album came out, he's already on the next one. So I'm like, why don't even put that out? You can slow that. I mean, I don't want to compare to people, but you take some of his peers at that time. Most of their work is appreciated more because there's, there's space to understand what they're doing and you get a chance to really get into it. You mm-hmm. know, Michael Jackson is a perfect example. This guy spent years in between situations, but everything is appreciated because it wasn't so much. You know what I'm saying? It was five years between Thriller and Bad, 82, 87. Yeah, yeah but, but Mike, you know, Mike was never one to be that prolific. You know, Mike and Mike, you know, going to marketing will just milk his shit you know plus he had the jackson stuff tour you know as well and there was no thriller tour because his idiot brothers ganged up on him made it bullshit, <laughs> victory bullshit and mike was like you know let me just step back and so he took a step back and then you know got that stink off of him and then came back came back out with bad so i can understand that long of a break yeah but you know mike does have he did record a lot of stuff too obviously that we see now that they're pulling stuff from back then and putting out but again, you don't have to always put it all out. And a guy like Prince who records so much, I say keep recording because it only, I think it'd be more potent if he went from Purple Rain and then I guess they say if you waited till he came out with Parade or maybe he came out with something another year later, but he would have been so far musically potent and like, God damn, 
where you wouldn't hear songs that sort of remind you of the last album. Like I said, to me, the latter sounds like Purple Rain. Some of the little parts in Around the World in a Day sound like the jam parts from some of the Purple Rain stuff. Nothing on Parade sounds anything like Purple Rain is so far removed. And I just think it had been so more potent if he would just let me hold off for a second. Because he recorded this album so quick. It was during the Purple Rain tour. It still kind of has that. The drums still sound like some jam sessions from the Purple Rain tour. So, but hmm. again. I, I don't know, though. Let's, let's, uh, let's do this then. Let's say um, we hit the delete button. Around the World in the Day never came out in 85. So you go mm-hmm. from 84, 85, and 86, Parade is released. Do you, do you think... Well, I think Parade would have been slightly different. I I think Parade would have been different. If you could have took the best pieces of between, you know, the end of Purple Rain to Parade, we would have had a ridiculous, I think the album would have been, you would have had Raspberry Beret possibly still on that album if it worked within the confines of him doing that movie. Raspberry Beret could have fit into Parade. That's what I'm saying. It it, it might have. You could have made that. I can see that. I can see that fitting. He could have, Tambourine still could have fit. He could have, She's Always in My Hair. You go with tambourine. Well, that's, I like that. But I, don't, but I don't see them. I don't see those songs working the confines of the movie, though. They may not. Well, they could have been B sides. Remember, uh, uh, Pop Life could have been a B side. Well, uh, hell, even the even the B sides were. But but uh, but to me, Kiss doesn't really fit the album too. But it's on there. <laughs> it don't. Sound well, yeah, like but it. we that know it's true. That is true. So I mean, they you could have had all kind of little songs that don't really fit, but they're banger songs. I'm just what I'm saying. But. No, I agree with you. But I, you know, I'm just under the you know reasoning that Parade is a soundtrack uh, more than than an album. You know, I think most people don't consider it a soundtrack because they well, haven't seen the it's, movie. It's called is it called music from the movie or is it called a soundtrack? Mm-hmm. It's, it's called music from the motion picture on the chair. Oh, it's not necessarily a soundtrack. I mean, it, obviously it is, but that's not how it's built. Again, uh, even Purple Rain, Wind Doves Cry is not really. A part of that, right? That that has nothing to do with that movie. That's shoehorned in there because he don't perform that song. It's played in there as if it's a music video because it's recorded after the fact. Like he needed to have a banger to go on that bit. Well, so it's "Take Me With You." I mean, it was used that way too, right? So that's my point is to say he can take songs that ain't got nothing to do and make it fit by playing them in the movie. Don't mean they have to be in the movie. So any of those songs to me would still be dope songs. Uh, and stand on their own again. They're gonna live, outlive those movies. Obviously, that album parade, it, the wings on that album and, and the wings on the movie are two different things. Right? <laughs> we don't. Oh, yeah. uh, nobody really associates I, that movie with that music because that's that that movie was, pre- you know, received pretty bad. Though I think did, it's a good movie. Speak, did you guys did you uh, ever check out the Siskel and Ebert review of that that I uh, sent sent over? Uh, no, I've seen it before, but no. Okay, I, I just thought it was interesting, uh, some of the things that they took from it, especially Ebert talking about, you know, no no black women in the movie. I, mean, I had said that he was getting his uh, inner cue storm on. <laughs> that, uh, for some reason, I, re- I just had seemed to remember them uh, maligning that movie way more than, than they did because they were each huge fans of Purple Rain. They, I, it was on each of their list of the best films of 84, which – Surprise! Even surprises me. Even still. All right. Uh, last thoughts on the movie? Uh, not excuse me. On the movie? On the music? 
uh, from you guys in terms of around the world in the day. Uh, what's your last thoughts? Uh, Aunt Pooh. My question is, is why was she is always in my hair a B-side? But overall, I think it is a, a great misunderstood uh, classic album. It was a calculated risk. Sometimes as an artist, sometimes as, as a business person, you have to take that risk at your peak to pivot and see, will you be accepted and will this be a bankable uh, a bankable uh, opportunity? So I give him kudos for that. It, it was a misstep, but at the end of the day, he did produce a really great album. All right, Mr. Sean Hill. Um, I think for me, uh, going back and listening to it again, I don't. I rarely listen to this album. I rarely, you know, hey, I want to listen to Rod Wonder Day and listen to it. I think it's a great collection of songs, but I don't think it necessarily holds up as an, as an album, at least for me. Um, I mean, I could listen to each of these songs independent of each other, but listening to it in the in the configuration that it's it that it is in, I I, I just don't think it, that it holds up that well f- for me. All right, uh, day dropping. Um. Kiss, the band, and John Williams. All right, here's what that means. <laughs> my very first album was Rock and Roll Over from Kiss as a three-year-old. Yay! Yeah. My second album as three-and-a-half, four-year-old was the soundtrack to um, Close Encounters of the Third oh. Kind, John Williams. <laughs> yeah. So I was used to going from one extreme to another. And that's how, you know, and I would listen to those albums and break them down in my in my young three, four year old little head like crazy. Listen to every nuance. And I appreciated nuances in music because of John Williams. And so when I would hear um, Around the World in the Day, it didn't shock me as much. I was pleasantly surprised. And from an artist standpoint, I thought it was awesome to see him do that. I thought, oh man, I haven't had, I haven't seen this since I, since I had, you know, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So, so weird from one to the other. So it, it was refreshing to me to hear that. And I, to this day, I still find that a very pivotal point. I know that that's a polarizing album, and it should be, and it was meant to be, I believe. And um, but at the same time, that, that was an album that got to show you, hey, this guy's more than just a rock. He'll still give you some of that, but he's more than that. And um, and it only kept moving and moving and moving for at least the next 10 years that way. And um, it was it was the beginning to me of a very fun ride. This album forced me to look back at the previous albums and look at them a lot closer like it did you, Mike. That's what this album did to me. Um, But I thought that this album was just one of those things where you had to open your eyes or completely shut them. It opened my eyes all over again to, you know, of off of an 11, 12-year-old guy here saying, wow, this is crazy. And, um, and, I, and I enjoyed it. I thought it was awesome. And only until years later, hearing all the other B-sides and what could have been on it, that I think, man, he, he, that's a missed opportunity there. He, he missed his Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields Forever uh, with She's Always In My Hair and, in my opinion, Girl. So... But, hey, that's new here and there. That's what Audacity and programs like that are for. So I'll put those in there. I'll make my own mix. But I love the album. I might critique it. But I think the album's awesome. All right. Uh, just wanted to shout you out on that. John Williams, man. Ah. I, I, <laughs> I've been kicking around this idea of symphonic funk. 
and John Williams is going to be the first spotlight because to me he Uh-oh. just has some funky ass stuff on those. On his I can't wait to see, hear what he does for the next Star Wars movie. Yeah. I cannot wait. Yeah, that dude is phenomenal. Yes, uh, big sexy. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I, I just lost my train of thought. I think a lot of it, and Ernie said something that really got me thinking because I was thinking about this as well. When he mentioned Kiss, I go back to when Kiss released music from the Elder. Commercial, I knew it. <laughs> commercial flop. Completely. Um, but when Prince did this, it was also that type of vibe to me. Like, okay, you've seen me do these things. I'm going to do something else. And he went a different direction. And a lot of people, myself included, you know, compare it along the lines of a Sergeant Pepper and like Ann said, other than the first two songs, that vibe is kind of gone. But you can see Lisa and Wendy's hands all over this, you know, and that's the beginning of him, you know, letting go of the reins a little bit and embracing and trying different sounds and textures. Because if you've heard the original version of If I Was Your Girlfriend, it sounds a lot like this. You know, it's got the little... Uh, Middle Eastern hand symbols and things like that, and it, there's different, whole different vibe. The strange relationship. That's why I said strange relationship. <laughs> I was about to say, stop the show. Where is this original version? <laughs> That's why I said strange relationship. And so it was good to see, and you can see the the genesis of that in the movie. You know, you know, I got something else. Our music, and that seemed to be like a real theme in that band at the time that, you know, they had things they want to get out and he's like, fine, let's do this. And it comes out and it goes a different direction. Um, if I'm Warner's, I'm like, Hey, this is not what I'm paying you for. But at the same time, when you're a creative person, you gotta let them, you gotta let them run. You can't stifle creativity. It just doesn't work at all. And this seems to be the beginning of where, he and Warner started to get sideways because after, you know, that a few years later, they had the whole sign of the times kerfuffle about you can't do a triple album. And, and you know, Prince, Prince is this person. The minute you tell him you can't do something, I got to do it now just to be difficult. And with this, there was no tour. The exposure for this album was like, uh, like Sean said, once they aired the America video, that was it. This album was done. He was already in Paris working on under the cherry moon. And ostensibly, thank you, that music is already done too. So I don't even know the purpose of Around the World in a Day as more than anything other than a placeholder to get us to uh, parade. You know, just have something out in 1985, which is pretty much what it was. All right, all right. Uh, I I think I've said everything I needed to say on this. Uh, So we're going to wrap this up. But I'm curious to hear what the listeners think about this album. Uh, do they listen to the songs? What do they think about that period for Prince? You know, 85, he was, you know, dealing with uh, the fallout from uh, We Are the World situation. Uh, he was very popular, obviously. Music was changing. He was changing. His style changed. Um, and he, uh, again, this was in the height of the mystique, right? Didn't speak much. And he did sp- he had to come out and speak after the, the the big chick interview, kind of scandal or whatever. So there's a lot of stuff going on at that period. Um, of course, he goes on to parade, and we'll talk about that another time. 
Before we do, we're going to go around the room, let you know where you can find us, starting with uh, Ampu. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at Pooh, as well as on 411 Mania and KnockoutNation.com. All right, Mr. Daydrop. Uh, find me on Twitter, Ernie Wiles, as well as on Facebook, Ernie Wiles. Uh, Big Sexy. Twitter, Big Sexy and Sack, Facebook, Mark Wiggins, and this week I will be in Vegas. So if anyone's out there, hit me up. I will be arriving Wednesday morning. All right. Uh, Sean Hill. All right. You can find me and on Twitter, Hill Street Views. You can also find me on Facebook, Sean Hill and Real Movie Talk, and my blog, hillstreetviews.blogspot.com. All right. And you can find us at, uh, at Podcast Juice on Twitter, and then look up us on. I'm just talking crazy. Find us on uh, Facebook. Just look up Podcast Juice. We'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.